Rising Above Shadows of Abuse podcast. I'm your host, Grace Osborne. Thank you for joining me on this exciting journey. Chiquita Tillman is the author of I Am a Ruby, Not a Sapphire and a human rights advocate fighting to eradicate the trade in sex trafficking. She's just one of an estimated 30 million people in the world who are victims of trafficking and slavery. To put this massive figure into perspective, it is equivalent to just under half the population of the UK. As Chiquita says in this interview, the main appeal of people trafficking compared to drug dealing and armed smuggling is that there is less risk of getting caught and the product, the victim's bodies, can be sold over and over again. As Chiquita tells us, the traffickers have absolutely no humanity or compassion when it comes to trading their commodity, primarily girls, many of whom are underaged. That ownership even includes metaphorical and even physical branding to identify ownership as if they were cattle. Greed for money and power consumes the traffickers' lives to the extent that all other feelings and considerations are completely obscured or erased. The exploitation of others is the only way they can aspire to the lofty heights and fulfill their insatiable desire for the same trappings of success as their rich and famous celebrity idols. The price of failure is small risk for a people smuggler, especially when compared to alternative criminal activity, which would result in them rotting away in a prison cell or shot dead on the streets. Consciously or subconsciously, they don't care whether they live or die, just so long as they make as much money as possible when they can, however they can, and whatever the cost to their victims. Chiquita tells how she was born into an abusive life, escaped home into yet another malicious environment, where she found herself held as a sex slave, escaped that life only to be re-enslaved, and was finally rescued, and was able to start her life over again. This was the point where she finally found the help and assistance she needed in order to turn her life around. It also gave her the motivation to engage with injustice and found a resolute purpose for the future, using her experience of human slavery to fight people trafficking and help the victims. Chiquita from an early age lived through a lot of pain, abuse and trauma. She survived and came out the other side a stronger and determined person, fully focused on not just her future, but the lives of others. Hello, everyone. You're welcome to today's episode of Rising Above Shadows of Abuse. Today's phenomenal guest is Chiquita Tillman, an advocate, author, and counselor from Atlanta, Georgia, USA. Welcome, Chiquita. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank You're you welcome. Great. Would you be kind enough to tell us a bit about yourself? Yes. Um, well, my name is Chiquita Tillman. I am in Georgia. Um, my background... Uh, let me give you a little history on that. Um, I was born and raised in a little small town uh, to a very young mother who was very uh, physically abusive. And I endured a lot of uh, molestations from her boyfriends, um, my aunt's boyfriend and um, a friend of my father's. And um, about 
when I was about 12 years old, she decided she was going to marry one of the, um, the guys who were molesting me. I had to go live with my father, who I did not know at 12. And um, he was very abusive as well. So I ended up attempting suicide at that time. I ended up going back to my mother. Um, well, let me back up about 14. I went to go stay with my aunt. And um, I thought, you know, I was finally safe but her boyfriend molested me as well. And um, he wanted me out of the house because I, I spoke up. I ended up going back to my mother who uh, again was very abusive. So I ended up running away from home around 15 years old. And I ran away to a big city, Los Angeles and um, via Greyhound bus station. I mean, bus, when I arrived at the, the bus station, of course, I didn't know anyone there at, the, at this big city. I ended up being uh, homeless. I wandered around the streets. I ended up, you know, just being hungry and cold, not knowing anyone, not knowing how to find an aunt that I thought lived there. I didn't know at the time that I was being watched by a recruiter. So I was approached after several days by a young man and um, he started talking to me and I, being naive, I just felt comfortable and he offered to help me. He offered to give me a place to stay. And me being cold and hungry, I agreed and I went with him. And he did give me a bed to sleep in and food. Um, the next morning when I woke up, he had crawled into that bed and he had raped me. And he then took me to um, a couple's apartment. It was a, a, a black guy and uh, a white girl. And I asked if I could use their restroom. When I came out, the guy was gone and I found out that he had sold me to this pimp. And um, that night I was being made to go, you know, work on the streets. I resisted, so I was beaten very badly that night. And that's a, a way of controlling, you know, getting me under control. And um, so I was shown the ropes and I had to work the streets um, every day, all day. And um, that was sev after several months of that, how I escaped him was uh, the police, they did a, a, they call it a prostitution suite where they gather up all the prostitutes that they see on the street. The girl that I was working with, um, she was well known to them. I wasn't, I was new to them, but they wanted to make an example so I lied about my age because I did not want my mother to find me. And so I ended up going to a women's prison that night, a women's jail. And they didn't know who I was. Um, I hadn't been uh, sent to court yet. So when they did call my name to go to court, um, some of the ladies were telling me what to expect. Now, I knew that if I was to go before the judge that they were going to know who I was. But they let me out. So I never got to go before the judge. So my case was dismissed because they got me on loitering. They didn't get me on anything else. So the case was dismissed. The pimp didn't know I was released. The girl was still in jail. So I'm outside and I'm sitting. I don't know anyone. I don't know where I am. And, but I figured I am free from him. So then this young Caucasian girl who was near my age came and sat next to me and we were talking. I'm not, knowing that she's a recruiter because she's a girl. 
and she talked to me she offered me uh to come to her house and i'm i'm thinking i'm safe because she's just a young girl too and when i get there there's three pimps in this house so now i'm taken control by another pimp and this pimp was worthless i mean he was ruthless and he was not worthless he was ruthless he was worse than the first one um we were held in one room we all had to sleep in the same bed we could not take a bath by ourselves. He had to be there with us. We couldn't go anywhere alone. And when um, we would have to get up at 6 a.m. in the morning, bathe with him standing there, get dressed, uh, get in the limousine, and he would take us to our destination. And we would have worked from 8 a.m. until 5 o'clock p.m. every day, every day. And there was a certain amount of money that you had to make. And if you didn't make it, you were beaten. So um, he had men out there watching us so we couldn't run. Uh, it was very difficult. I've had, I had cops that um, I tried to, you know, ask for help, but they violated me instead. Um, sexual favors in terms of not going to jail. So I, I endured a lot uh, out there. I, I, I endured a, a lot of rapes, um, a lot of beatings, and I ended up getting pregnant by the pimp. And I didn't know I was pregnant. I just knew I was very sick. And I was suicidal. And at this point, I, I just, I didn't care if I died. I just didn't care. So I was in the store one day after um, turning some tricks and the security guard came into the store and he was, you know, this real big guy. And he kept watching me and I was just thinking, I, I just can't do anymore, you know, and he left out. And so I waited a few and then I left out after him and he was standing outside by his car and he said, can I talk to you? And I thought he wanted a date. So I was like, no, you know, and I started walking and Grace, I, I'm telling you, I, I had never heard the voice of God but I heard a voice so clear say, trust him. So I turned back around and I went up to him and he said, what are you doing out here? You're just a baby. Cause I was like maybe a, if a hundred pounds. And so I had to make it look like he was a potential customer. I couldn't, you know, like just openly tell him, you know, what was going on. So I had to, just try to make it look like I was um, trying to get him to, to date me or something. And so I was telling him, I said, they're watching me. I can't get away. And so he said, um, I get off at five o'clock. And he said, meet me on, uh, it was a street called Figueroa. Meet me on Figueroa at five and I'll get you out. And so when five o'clock came, I was holding on to that hope that he was going to be there. But I also knew that that was the time that the pimp picks us up. And so the limousine was was coming to pick us up and it was he was on the opposite side of the street. And the girl, one of the girls that, that lived in the same house, she said, you know, it's time to go. And so I lied and I said, well, I have one more customer around the corner. And she said, well, you better hurry up by the time the limousine turns around. So when I got around the corner, I just took off running. 
And I kept hearing someone say, Lisa, which was my fake name, Lisa, Lisa. And I thought it was his henchmen, his guys. And I just said, they're just going to have to kill me. They're just going to have to shoot me in the back. I, I'm just not going to go. And I heard my name again on the left side of me. And I, I turned and it was the security guard. So I jumped in the car and he took me to a hotel. He went and got me some food and he said, stay here. I'm going to bring my mom in the morning. Well, I didn't think he was going to do that. But at that time, I felt safe because I was off the street. I was away from the pimp. And uh, but the next morning he brought his mom and his grandmother. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I got out. And so they were like, you know, what are you doing? You're just a baby, you know, and they took me into their home and they ended up adopting me. Wow, I'm speechless. Yeah. That is really a phenomenal story. Wow. I wonder how you survived. It was the grace of God, I guess. It was the grace of God. Yes, it was. I mean, people don't understand the, the horror that you go through out there on the streets. Um, you, you're having, you know, strangers, you know, holding guns to your head, you know, a knife to your throat, you know, raping you, beating you. And it's just... It's a very traumatic experience. Very traumatic. I can imagine. Yeah. Lots of men, people you don't know, you don't know the, that health um, status, you don't know if they've got diseases or, you right. know. Exactly. It's, wow, it's quite traumatic. It is. It is. It is. And, and I'm grateful, which is why I'm so passionate about helping others, you know, because I understand um, the terror, I understand the abuse, I understand um, even when you're out of it, you still go through so much mentally. Um, you know, I dealt with a lot of depression, a lot of um, mental instability, you know, just a anger. lot of- Yeah, shame. a lot of bitterness, anger, yeah. shame, anger, yeah. Went through all of that, you know, so you have to, it's a whole nother journey. <laughs> once you're released. Yeah. I'm just taking a minute to kind of access the whole story and, mm -hmm. you know, let it sink in because it's a lot to take. It in. is a lot. It is a lot. And I just skimmed the, skimmed over the stories, you know, it, it's because it's so much so much that um, went on. You know, a lot of people say, why didn't you just run? You know, and, and it's not that easy. Mm -hmm. People think it's just easy and it's not. Mm -hmm. It's not. So that leads me to my next uh, question. Why do you think sex trafficking incidents are not reported immediately or brought to light? Well, if you're looking from like a victim's uh, standpoint, um, They don't believe that they're going to be believed, you know, when when they do speak up. I spoke up and, and I wasn't believed. And then, too, um, a lot of people don't even know what sex trafficking is or how to recognize it or even how to report it. And then, too, you have to understand that sex, sex trafficking is a multi-billion dollar a year criminal activity where everyone involved is, is getting paid. 
they're making money. So a lot of people don't want to get involved. They don't want to report it. And then you have the, the you know, victims that are, they're afraid of retaliation. They're afraid that they won't be believed. They're afraid, um, and then, well, to the shame, like you mentioned earlier, the shame. Um, so it's just many different factors of why I believe is not being reported um, the way that it should be or brought to light. So invariably, um, this leads to the next question. Uh, does the law help victims or collude with perpetrators? And if so, what changes can be made regarding the law to further stop or end this evil? Um, you know, law enforcement, they've, they've come a long way. Um, like in the past, they viewed victims of sex trafficking as just prostitutes and they treated them as criminals. And I know that in recent years, um, they've been trained on sex trafficking and how to recognize when a person is a victim versus, you know, treating them as a criminal. And that's with the, the justice system as well. You do have a lot of them that, are, that do collude with, with perpetrators. Um, again, it comes with money, uh, comes with the power, comes with, um, you know, free sex. Um, and for me, those need to be set an example out of. They need to be given, you know, lengthy, long prison sentences. Um, if they did violate um, a, a, a child, uh, a sex trafficking victim, then to me, once they are released, if they are released, they should be made to be um, liable. Not only that, but register as a sex offender as well. You know, you need to have that on your record. You need to, you need to be punished, you know, because you're supposed to protect victims, not violate them. That's true. And so for me, yes, I do definitely believe they should be held accountable for their actions, absolutely, to the full extent of the law. Thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there was this incident last year about a young lady, Sarah Everard. She was molested, raped by a police officer, and eventually killed by him. And it did cause an opera in United Kingdom. Wow. In the end, uh, he was brought to book, he's been sentenced, and um, we, the government is trying to fish out the bad eggs. So that's what is going on at the moment oh, in the UK. Yeah. Wow, wow. Happening, it's happening everywhere. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it happens everywhere. But until the bad ones are fished, are fished out, people who don't trust the police or law enforcement agencies 100%. That's true. That's true. So like you rightly said, they should be put on the sex offender list. Yes. So they will serve as a deterrent to other police officers. Exactly. 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 Yes. I believe it will make them think twice about committing the crime when they see what could be the consequence behind it. 
you said in one of your YouTube videos, gangs or gang culture are a great part of sex trafficking. Why is that so? Well, um, you know, historically gangs, um, they're into, uh, you know, drug trafficking and illegal weapons trade. But with sex trafficking being now the second highest, you know, uh, profitable criminal activity, they're now turning to that uh, as a, another means of revenue. Plus it's a minimum risk of detection, you know, by police. Uh, unlike drugs, which usually is sold once, a victim can be sold over and over and over multiple times a day, you know, every day, month after month, year after year. So that's money to them. That's money. You, you, you think about if they have, if a gang member has five victims, you know, and they're making $500, $1,000 a day, just even if they take out the overhead, just say they take out $100 to, to get, you know, condoms or whatever they need for, for the girls. Look at the money that they're making from those five girls versus a street sale of drugs. So it's, it's, it's profitable. It's, it's money. And gangs, usually they're from broken homes. Most of the gang members are from bro broken homes. So they form gangs, you know, because they, they need that, that brotherhood, that connection. So they are, um, they can recognize potential victims in their environment, in their neighborhoods. And so they groom them, you know, girls thinking gangs are, you know, powerful. They want that protection or they didn't have their daddy. So they have this man that, that, you know, saying he wants to protect them, take care of them. And so they lure them in and usually they get them on drugs to control them and put them out on the streets. So yeah, gang is definitely involved and they like to brand their victims, usually with a gang uh, name as a sign of ownership. That I find unbelievable because you're branding a human being just like you. They're not yeah. animals. Exactly. But they don't look at them as human beings. They look at them as just, you know, this is a commodity. This is a moneymaker. It is so, it, it, it just baffles me how there's no humanity. There's no, I mean, there's no compassion or nothing. You know, it's, it's just, it's amazing to me that you don't, you don't see that this, this child that you're abusing, that she's, I mean, she's, 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 she's human like you. Human, yeah. She has and she could be she could be your sister, she could be the, your, you know exactly. your cousin. Your cousin. They don't care. They don't this care. is really it's it's a lot to take in. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Very insensitive of them when, when you sit down to think about it or reflect about it. Just like you said, they're not compassionate at all. No, no, not at all. Not at all. So what what is making them so hardened? Is it the drugs they're selling or what? I think it's it's the greed. It's the greed. It's the some people are so greedy for money 
you know, uh, they just want they just want this this lavish lifestyle. They want, um, you know, to just to just live like the rich and famous, and by any means necessary. So if 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 I gotta, you know, and then it's power too. It's you know, it's, it's money and power. That's what it boils down to, money and power. And I think for me, it's a lot of the traffickers, a lot of, you know, even the gang members, you know, something happened to them in their their younger years. You know, maybe they didn't have a father figure. Maybe they were abused. I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure. But it's like they're perpetrating that into the next person. What do you think about Jocelyn Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein, the sex uh, racket they were perpetrating and trafficking young teenage girls would you say that the rich and famous involved in this nefarious activities often are protected and above the law i know there are two questions in one so if you want me to repeat it again i would gladly do that um no let me see what i think about um Elaine um, and Jeffrey, I am so happy that they were exposed and arrested. You know, unfortunately, Jeffrey, <laughs> he's not here to face his punishment. Uh, he will be punished, but, you know, um, here on this earth. Mm. I'm glad uh, Elaine is getting ready to face hers because Number one, she was a recruiter. She was a groomer. She groomed these young girls. You were like a madam of the house. You were a sex trafficker. You also engaged in sexual acts against these girls as well as Jeffrey. So to me, uh, she should be punished. They should give her the maximum sentence allowed, which I know that she's facing, I believe, 65 years. Mm -hmm. She should get the full 65 years. And to me, that's her life sentence due to her age. I don't, I don't feel like any of uh, the rich and famous, yes, some of them may feel that they are above the law. But as, as we know, as we have seen, everyone eventually gets caught. No one is above the law. I do believe that they have the, the financial means at the time to um, pay people off, to keep people quiet, um, to keep themselves out of jail because Jeffrey did that in the beginning. He got, he got off the first time, but it won't last because you can't continue to commit crimes against children and not come to light. So yeah, I'm, they're right where they should be. And I, I, I'm so glad that these girls spoke up, these women spoke up and exposed them for who they were because I think they would have kept going. Yeah, but we're happy that the women exposed Ghislaine and Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, some people are still at large because Ghislaine is not mentioning names. Exactly. And so these vile men will still continue in their nefarious activities. Mm -hmm. 
you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. There are so many people that are involved, not just them too, because you have the aides, you have the, you have the people who, you know, book the rooms or book the, the flights and uh, the drivers, all of them should be held accountable because as a matter of fact, I, I remember one guy that they interviewed, um, he didn't, he knew these girls were underage, but he was afraid to talk. He was afraid to say anything. So it's like a, you know, like they threatened these people and they paid them off. But I believe they all should be held accountable because these were kids. You're quite right. But what I really don't understand is why Ghislaine is not speaking up about the people who were coming down to the island, the rich and famous. The police, mm -hmm. they have, uh, or is it the judge now, as evidence, the black book. Mm -hmm. but so far, so far, we've not heard anything about the, you know, the people mm -hmm. who were in the, written in that black book. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what's right. going to happen. Right. I believe some more will be exposed. I really do. Even if she doesn't talk, if they have the evidence, if they have, because one girl did name Prince Andrews. And so I believe it's just a matter of time of getting that evidence and bringing him down too. So I, I believe it's coming. She may not talk, but the evidence is there. So more people will be coming up. I really believe so. I really do. I really do. Especially if she gets sentenced. But if you remember, when her older brother was interviewed, he said the sister would not speak up about the others. Yeah, and, and you know, there is a hidden oath with traffickers they they won't talk you know against each other um so i do believe that she won't she probably won't say anything she probably won't name names but i guarantee you they kept record of who partook in the activities so that evidence is stuff is found she don't have to talk i mean it's there and the yeah. girls that were violated they know. So I just, it's just a matter of time. Okay. Let's keep our fingers crossed then and wait <laughs> definitely and watch and see what happens. Yes, next. exactly. <laughs> so, so what are the indicators, indicators of sex trafficked individuals? How can we help to stop this? Oh, there's so many, um, you know, sometimes you, you, you just won't even know that a person is being sex trafficked, you know, um, may not even be a sign. But then there are some, um, you might see signs of um, like malnourished, uh, physical injuries, uh, you know, abuse, um, avoiding eye contact, avoiding social interaction. You might have, um, you might see children in the company of like older it could be older men or women, but they won't let them speak. They won't let them talk. They won't let them be alone. Um, you may see, um, if you see children uh, 
like checking into a hotel motel with an older man and they're calling him daddy, you know, uh, tattoos or branding. Um, he might also maybe poor physical and dental health. Then you have children um, that are in school, school-age children that may be trafficked. They may be um, always sleeping in class, very withdrawn, um, again, not making eye contact, not wanting to talk. Um, teenagers, maybe from low-income families, uh, broken homes, all of a sudden they come into these large amounts of money, um, jewelry, you know, expensive clothing, those are indicators to, um, you know, look out for. How we can stop it. If you see something, say something. I mean, if you feel that a person is like in immediate danger, call the police, but do it discreetly because you don't want to cause further harm to that person. Um, you can also call the uh, human trafficking hotline. And that number um, is etched in my brain. <laughs> um, it's 888 373-7888 and they have resources in every state that can help. So yes, definitely um, get involved, your local communities, um, local organizations in your communities, uh, your local churches to help spread awareness on sex trafficking. And do you think schools should be reporting to authorities if they see a child uh, looking man malnourished sleeping in class and looking withdrawn? I definitely do. I definitely do. I would raise the alarm because you, it's better safe than sorry. And you could be saving a child from unspeakable, you know, abuse. Definitely. Um, and I know that a lot of organizations that I know are working to try and get um, sex trafficking taught in schools so that so that teachers are more aware and children are aware of their you know people that they're they come in contact with how to, how to watch out because a lot of times these perpetrators are on the internet they're on these social media sites and they're posing as other children to try and lure kids away from home so it, it's definitely something that needs to be taught and i also believe a the duty of parents to watch yes what their children are doing online exactly and i always when i do speak with groups of uh, women you know parents and stuff i always say you know be mindful of what your children are doing online on their phones on these gaming apps because these these predators are everywhere and they are after the children i mean I mean, even we had a case here in Georgia where um, a lady had her son went to, he was at, at the bus stop and he was a boy, he was at the bus stop and someone tried to snatch him into the car, you know, because sex trafficking is no gender, it's boys and girls. So, you know, I always tell them, you know, just make sure that there's an adult with the children at the bus stop. Don't let your child walk home alone if you can help it. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So how can trust be rebuilt with law enforcement agencies when some of them are also involved in the racket or sex trafficking? 
Well, <laughs> right now, Grace, um, I believe the fact that there are training officers now um, on how to re recognize tra sex trafficking and how to help the victims when they do encounter one, um, the resources that are available uh, for them to help them. I believe when the victim sees that the officer is there to help and not to harm, not to violate, that can begin to, to rebuild that trust because um, like for me, you know, being violated by officers, uh, now being on the other side, seeing officers help, you know, I'm hopeful that we can start to trust. But again, those that are still involved in it, um, the best is to just make an example out of them. Okay. Let them know that they can't get away with it and it won't be tolerated. So in essence, um, there should be stiffer penalties for officers that break the law as well. Mm -hmm. And do you think um, other officers should be reporting their colleagues if they notice that they're doing something wrong in terms of getting involved in sex? sex trafficking or violating a minor? I do, and I do. Uh, I have known um, some officers in law enforcement that have gotten involved and have um, uh, turned in colleagues. Um, so yes, I do believe they should get involved because again, this is a crime against children, against, you know, or women. Or, or men, if it's against their will, it, it's a crime. So I definitely believe that just because um, they're your colleague doesn't make it right. Wow. That leads me to the last question. What countries have the highest sex trafficking rate and how can victims or survivors be supported? Uh, there's so many countries with sex trafficking. <laughs> I mean, um, of course, the U.S. Um, I know, um, let's see, like Africa, Canada, um, Europe, um, Iran, because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of these, they don't recognize it as sex trafficking, you know, um, it's just kind of like a, a way of life in some of these countries. And unfortunately, that's, it's, that's still not okay because these are still children, you know, and they shouldn't be violated uh, for, for any means, period. Um, the best way to support uh, any victim um, or survivor is to first, you know, create, we, we, need to have, we need to have safe places for them to go. Um, they need to be believed. They need to um, be made to feel safe. Um, we need to provide trauma counseling if they've been, uh, you know, involved in that lifestyle. Not just any type of counseling. 
It needs to be someone who specializes in trauma because everyone cannot get that deep like a trauma counselor can. So um, they need lots of love, unconditional love. They need a strong support system, medical attention. They need um, to just know that someone cares. Someone is definitely, you know, on their team, on their side, and they're not alone. Yeah. That's and how somebody's can, watching their back. Yeah. Somebody's watching their back. That's how we can best support victims and survivors of, of this criminal activity here. It's just, it's very heartbreaking, but we definitely need more safe houses everywhere. Well, just like you're an advocate and just like, you know, what I'm doing, we're just trying to create an awareness yes. and also to help the government, if possible, bring solution by giving su suggestions on what to do mm -hmm. um, to support uh, survivors of any form of abuse. Yes. Be it domestic violence, be it sex trafficking, mm -hmm. child abuse, you know, mm -hmm. just prefer uh, solutions because that's what they really need. That's right. what they need to move uh, to stop this. Um, dehumanizing activities yes 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 and just like i asked you earlier on the highest um rate of sex trafficking in any countries in india is 14 million mm -hmm. in india and then the second country is china i think it's 3.2 million so you can imagine the magnitude yeah of people who are being trafficked it's yeah. not a small amount at all no it's like you and like you rightly said, it's a billion dollar racket mm -hmm. or would I say um, enterprise? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, multi-billion dollar. And it's, it's. Um, I mean, you, you have to look at, we have close to maybe 30 million people in this world that are, that's caught up in human trafficking. And um, and that's just, that's just crazy to me. It's a yeah. lot. It's quite yeah, it's a phenomenal lot. figure. Yes. It is. It is. But, you know, we're, we're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep fighting. I mean, because I always say nothing's too big for God. <laughs> that's true. And I believe he's, he's putting people in places to, um, to bring this stuff down bring it down so um before we wrap up i uh, have some fire questions would you say survive or thrive and what are your reasons um i would say thrive because um <laughs> i i look at myself and um you know after you know being uh rescued um, I look at, I survived, you know, I, it, it took me many years to, uh, to work through, you know, a lot of the, the mental anguish, the depression, you know, the, just the bitterness and everything. And, and I went from having like such a very low self-esteem about myself to now I absolutely love myself, you know? And so 
being free from the trauma, I'm able to move forward and I'm able to thrive in my life. I'm able to, you know, give back. And so, yes, I survived, but I'm thriving. I'm thriving. And anyone that makes it out can thrive. Not just survive, but thrive. That's to me the best form of payback. I'm surviving. I thrive. I'm thriving after this, after what you put me through. I'm thriving mm -hmm. in life. That is great. <laughs> I mean, you've turned yourself, you've turned your life around. You yes. already have um, you, a book or books. You're not far. You, you've got your own per business, as I presume. Mm -hmm. I've forgotten the name now. It's Ruby. <laughs> the business is Ruby's Inc. And the book is I am a Ruby, not a Sapphire. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. okay. You know, you're my first, you're my first interview after a, I've been on hiatus for like a year. So I took year 2021 to just get myself together. So you're like my first and I'm just honored to be on your platform. Oh, it's it. a privilege to have you. Kita, it was really Thank a privilege. You. I'm actually awed by your story. I thought I went through something before <laughs> hearing yours. I, I was like, mm, my mouth is sealed. So would you say freedom or justice then? Freedom. I mean, it's nothing like being free from the stigma of the past. You know, being free from the shame and um, just all that negativity. You know, just that uh, just being free to move forward in life. To me, that's, that's, that's better than, that's justice to me, just being free. That's the ultimate. <laughs> that's the ultimate justice, being free, you know, because a lot of people are not free. Hmm. You know, I know a lot of survivors that are still stuck, um, still stuck. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I can to help, but you, you have to put in the work yourself too. You do have to put in the work. And, um, but for me, yes, freedom, having that freedom and, and to be able to help someone else to, to become free. That is why I love your story. I mean, you, you've gone through a lot, but you're better at the other side. Yes. And you made it a mission, your mission, personal mission, to talk to other people. You just said now that some people are stuck. Yeah. They can't move forward because of what they've gone through. Mm -hmm. But you are a very good example of someone who went through it and came out better on the other side. Yes. Hopefully, Thank you. Thank you. all those people who are still stuck will change or turn their life around when they look at your life when they look at what you're doing mm -hmm. pr we pray that yeah. they will have that personal conviction to put in the work and turn their life around yes i pray that as well thank you i do um because it's heartbreaking you know because i know it can be done and i know um you have to want to be better. And and it takes work. It does. So you see that as a personal choice? 
I do see, I, I do see it as a personal choice. I do see now I do understand that some may have gone through uh, worse trauma than others, you know, and so it may take, but I still believe that you have a choice to get up or you have a choice to stay down. You have a choice to let them win or you have a choice to be the winner. And so I, I choose to be the winner. I, I choose, you know, and so, um, and, and all I can do is just pray that they get that spark to, I don't want to stay down. I want to be better. I want my life better. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, Kita. It was a pleasure having you on the show. And I hope we'll be having future collaborations because I'm actually inspired by your story. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. God bless you and everything. Amen. And bless you too. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, kindly subscribe, leave a review and comment. Thank you and see you on the next episode. Bye for now. For more Rising Above Shadows of Abuse news, head to our Instagram.com page or YouTube.com page forward slash Rising Above Shadows of Abuse. And our email address is Rising Above Shadows of Abuse at gmail.com. So interact with us. See you soon. Rising Above Shadows of Abuse podcast with Grace Offer.